0: This is a Hoff Studios podcast. So I'm here with Kinsey Madsen. Is that how I say your last name? Yes. Yep. Yeah. You are a fucking rich fairy, a course creator, a <laughs> quantum leap guru. What else? You are the podcast host of Cosmic CEO, founder yes. of ViralGram, Gram, CEO of Mantras, and not to forget your merch shop, Shop <laughs> CEO Club. I'm so inspired and impressed with all that you do. And so I'm really oh, honored you. and happy to have you here.
1: I'm honored. You wanted content. to have me on. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I've been following
0: your Instagram and your journey for, I would say probably about two to three years now. And wow. yeah, I found you through, I think, Pinterest actually.
1: Through, really? Yeah.
0: Through your graphics. I love to Pinterest. hear that. <laughs> yeah. And I think that it, well, cause I'm obsessed with Pinterest and I'm also obsessed with design I was looking for like quote inspiration and quotes mm. to put on my own page and quotes to like make myself. And so I ended up finding your your design course. What's it called? Anti-school design school. Anti-school design school. Yes. And which I did. And I still have not mastered Adobe,
1: <laughs> but not your takes, fault. <laughs> no, it takes a while. That's why I feel like in that course, I'm just all the time saying like, be patient, be, because that's like the biggest thing you have to do is just like keep, I, there's definitely a learning curve in the beginning with Illustrator. And you have to log out
0: of Canva and go into Illustrator <laughs> <is> the, <problem. laughs> it's the bigger problem. Yeah, true.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm lucky that when I started, Canva wasn't a thing because I probably would have just definitely just used the easier platform.
0: Well, and let's talk about when you started. When did you start graphic design and how did that come about? Because you didn't go to school for graphic design, which is why it's called anti-design school.
1: So I always knew in high school that I would do something with aesthetics. I was really into interior design. I was into just like making pretty things. Um, I never was into like art because I feel like it couldn't be perfect. Mm. I'm like very a perfectionist with those types of things. Um, (laughs) And so I feel like (laughs) design is like, it kind of gives us the possibility of having something that's near perfect. But I didn't even know what graphic design was when I took this class in high school. And my first semester, I literally hated it. And I was so bad at it. Like I I wish more than anything, I could find my first designs because Mm -hmm. I didn't even really understand what you did with it. Like, I remember... I didn't even really understand you could like type in a font. Like I was like drawing my own fonts and that sounds cooler than it was. It was, it did not look (laughs) good. (laughs) So I took that class and I hated it. And my teacher somehow, I don't know, I think he was just like a good teacher and was passionate about design. And he was like, please just give it one more semester. Like nobody likes it the first semester. And so I took another semester that was like the next level. And I just fell absolutely in love with it. And I ended up in high school, I like stacked on classes so that I could take more design classes, just keep repeating it. So I did technically, I mean, I took classes in high school, but I was just uh, obsessed and I would come home from school and I would just design all night long. And then I ended up getting a job. I was working at like a call center type thing. And I started randomly making, like, designs for them, just, like, trying to sneak my way in. Like, I was like, oh, I can make that flyer. I can do this. And then within a couple weeks of me kind of, like, trying to put my foot in, their graphic designer quit. And I was like, let me try. Like, let me try to do this. I mean, at this time, I'm still in high school. I'm just, like, going over there and working after school. Um, But then that continued. And I started going to college for it. And I was paying for it with like my own money, the money I was making at my job. And it was just so stressful. And I don't do good in an environment where like, I have to be being told what to do. So I was like, this is a waste of my time. Um, And honestly, I've kind of realized when I tell the story, I feel like it's more glamorous to be like, and I was like, fuck school. But to be honest, I was like, I can't afford this right now. And I'm just Mm going to make stuff work. And along the way now, I'm like, I'm so glad I just like trusted myself. I don't think I really understood that it was possible to be so successful without school but it was just kind of what I had to do Mm. um and so I went all in I started working full-time at that job and then since then I feel like I've just gotten way more into the branding side of things I was lucky at this company it wasn't like a cool glamorous company but they had a really small marketing department so I was helping a ton with the marketing and the overall branding too and so I feel like That is where all of my love for everything was birthed because I was working Mm -hmm. at this small company. And then I worked a couple more jobs and then finally went off and did my own thing freelance because it was, it was like the end goal
0: yeah that's so cool
1: and I think it's so important
0: that you share like it wasn't like you were just like fuck school because it was cool to do mm-hmm. so because I think that's like an empowering statement that we have now because of people like Gary Vee, because of people like yourself because of you know people who are leading the way and saying like you don't need school look what I've accomplished but for those of us who couldn't afford it which I really resonate like I went as far as I could in school and then I ran out of money and at mm-hmm. the end of the day like I just didn't have another option but to reinvent and figure it out um so i think it's really important it doesn't matter which way you come at it whether it's a circumstance or it's your powerful choice it's still going to be fucking beautiful and your journey you know yeah i really embraced it
1: yeah Um, oh go ahead yeah no go ahead well I was just gonna say and I feel like a lot of people feel insecure that they're not like confident without their degree like they they see people Mm -hmm. like Gary Vee or people who are so like you don't need to go to college and then they feel insecure that they feel insecure they feel shame around feeling insecure and I think remembering that probably the people who didn't go to college they felt insecure about it at one time too they felt Mm -hmm. like shame that they didn't have their degree so if you're feeling that way and you feel shame about not going college like instead of looking at these people and being like oh like I wish I could just feel confident like them like understanding that they probably had to go through their own journey to build confidence around not having like a piece of paper to back what they were doing
0: so fucking factual so (laughs) yeah it's so true and I think that's like the podcast is called rebellious reinvention people have seen me if they've been on this journey with me for the last 10 years have been a yoga teacher I've been a studio manager, I've been a retail buyer, I've been a designer, I've been a coach, and none of those changes and evolutions come without grief, letting go, Mm. shame, perceived failure, embarrassment, because I'm starting something new again, what are people going to think about me, right? So Mm -hmm. there's all these feelings that you process. But, you know, both you and I are here as proclamation to say that you can overcome those sensations and yeah. still come out successful in whatever it is that you're you're looking forward to.
1: Yeah, um, I love that. And I feel like it's sometimes like looking me hearing that from you. It's like so inspiring to see that you've changed so many like that is like exciting to me to hear. And I think it's so interesting. We put so many stories on ourselves of like, like, where do those even come from? Because it's way cooler mm-hmm. to talk to somebody who's had 10 different amazing careers. You don't really ask somebody when they're telling you about it, like, did you fail? Did you? It's like, where do yeah. we even get these stories? Because it's way more interesting to talk to somebody who like has done a lot of things. Totally.
0: Where? Did, how did you end up with, I'm wearing Lala pants. So oh, how love. did you end up, which we know is your bestie. <laughs> yes. The founder. How did you end up working with them? Because I feel like that's kind of when you really hit your stride and your love for what you do?
1: Yes. So me and Lexi have been best friends since we, we went to the same high school together, but we became really close. Like the, the year after I graduated, I got kicked out of my house and she was like, come live in my basement. Like you can figure it out. Um, And I feel like since then we've been really, really close and she started her business. We actually, it's funny. I like got a reminder on Instagram or whatever when it was like, eight years ago or something we would like talked about starting a t-shirt shop together doing something like that but it just never really clicked we were both always like kind of like interested in doing our own thing um but she started doing her thing in 2017 and she had been doing it for a year and i was complaining about my job Um, i had just helped her with like random things to get started and like website and whatever And I was complaining about my job and she was like, we were talking on Marco Polo and she said, when are you going to quit your job? And all of a sudden I was just like, no. And like, I had really never thought about it up to that point. Like it was, I don't know if it was a projector thing where it's like, she gave me the invitation or I don't know what it was, but she literally said, when are you going to quit your job? And I was like, no. And I just made that decision. and it was probably the scariest, most irresponsible decision I've ever made. Like more irresponsible than not going to call. Like it was, I had a really good job. And even though I was complaining about it, I was actually happy most of the time working that job. Um, but I feel like her belief in me and being expanded by like the success she had already had in the first year. Um, and just seeing her utilize the power of social media. Like at that point I wasn't like really using Instagram to like grow my following or whatever. It was like, I posted it to like hope a cute boy would see a picture of me you know so it was like it wasn't being utilized that way so I feel like through being expanded by her um and then just again having her like invite me when are you gonna do this that was like the moment that I leapt into it um and then since then we've just it's like kind of all not all we work on but like in a fun way like we're always talking about our businesses brainstorming about about our businesses so yeah it's been really fun to have entrepreneur friends It's so
0: important to have entrepreneurial friends and business besties. Like we always, you know, the Graham talks about Mm -hmm. it. I feel like there's like a culture around it, but like, if you didn't, if we don't cultivate those friendships, it's really lonely being an entrepreneur and a CEO trying to create something, especially when you're really young and it's just the beginning stages because people who are not working for other people, like they are people who are working for other people. They don't have the same insight of what you're actually going through. Like, the belief the, the beliefs that it takes, the fear of mediocrity, the fear that you're not good enough, or um, fear of failure, whatever it is. But like other entrepreneurs, other CEOs can really resonate with that. So having those people in your corner is like so important.
1: What yeah, is- and I feel like, oh, sorry. I'm, I'm bad yeah. at not interrupting. No, you're not bad, keep going. <laughs> okay, I feel like something too, is I notice on both sides, like friendships that I've had, where they weren't entrepreneurs. And I hate that it's this way, but this is just how it's been. My friends who like weren't entrepreneurs, I feel like there became this accidental resentment on both sides. Like Mm -hmm. they resented, um, like they resent entrepreneurs for having the freedom. And then I feel like I'll notice entrepreneurs resenting friends because they have a steady paycheck and like, they know they can depend on that money. It's really weird. I feel like it's just like, a when you're an entrepreneur, it's, it's literally everything, even if you're not working, because I'm very big, like, I don't, I don't like to work all the time. I'm not like my energy doesn't work that way. But I am always brainstorming about my business, like no matter what. And so I feel like it's just such a big part of your life that like having entrepreneur friends, even if it's friends that you like met in a mastermind, right? I'm really lucky because in Utah, like, the Mm -hmm. entrepreneur culture is like, really like they're i all of game my friends at this point there. are entrepreneurs game is
0: strong. Yeah, high school to, they're breeding entrepreneurs so I went, and
1: creatives out there i don't the thing is we went to and we lived in southern utah and so we went to desert hills and honestly i don't know that many entrepreneurs from our school but it's something about northern utah i don't know what it is it, it might be a little bit of like toxic um religious programming of like having to prove yourself but hey it's like making it's us a lot of you. money
0: <laughs> i also think though
1: that it's like the
0: cost of creating out there is less expensive right like to have a warehouse it's mm-hmm. less expensive than it is in miami for instance or new york or la it's kind of like the portlandia thing where mm. like all of a sudden portland became this big boom of entrepreneurs and chefs and um creatives because there was space to do so it was inexpensive to do it so i think utah is having that creative boom as well because it's way less expensive of a city than you know let's say chicago or new york right yeah
1: that makes a ton of sense yeah
0: yeah i had that feeling when i was there i was i was i went there to park city to go snowboarding and i was just admiring the architecture i'm like wow Mm. like this amish handed down architecture (laughs) like not just the amish but i mean there's the there's a pride in craftsmanship that exists yeah. there that has definitely been passed down from specific lineages and partially it's the Amish. It's like this very like specific way of doing things and it relates to craft. So I don't know. It's like a really great recipe they have in Utah for yeah. I think Religious programming, Amish <laughs> it's, it's all, all the things. things. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what do, what did, so you became you and Lexi knew each other this whole time. Then you go to work for her. How long did you work for her until you decided it was time to really step out on your own again, like fully so on? So
1: I didn't. I didn't work for her. I mean, I okay. did stuff for her, um, like just for fun. And I feel like I owe so much to her because she would post about me and talk about me and send people my way. But I never like formally worked for her. We were just we so were that doing was our the own. Launch of your
0: entrepreneurship, yeah. right there. Yeah. She tell me what it means. Let's talk about. You said you're a projector, right? Yes. What is human design? If people are like, what is a projector? And like, how does your human design being a projector inform the way you work?
1: Yeah. So I like to think of human design. There's like probably way better definitions than this, but I like to think of it as just a system that helps me know how to use my energy best. Um, I've recently gotten into astrology, but astrology for me, it felt a little harder to like understand. It felt more, and I think some people think the the opposite, but astrology for me now I've gotten into it, but I feel like human design was the perfect place to start because you can start easily with like, the five different types and like, you'll learn about yourself so much from the five different types. Um, I feel like when I learned about it, it was just the biggest permission slip to be myself and to operate Mm. how I want to operate. And I think that's why it's so important. It's not because like, if you get into it, I don't feel like you'll hear anything that will like psychotically blow your mind and you're going to change, but it's like, Oh my God, that's exactly how I am. And I've been trying to talk myself out of acting that Mm. way. So like for a projector, they say, and there's a lot of, I think, nuance with this where it doesn't have to be as strict as the rules they give you. I'm a big like anti-rule person. So I definitely sometimes will like put it on a shelf if it doesn't feel like it's supporting me. But with projectors, they're technically here to more be a guide to like the other types rather than doing all the work themselves. And so for me, when I found out I was a projector, I was working like 18 hour days Hustling, like I thought, it was all about like just putting the work and doing hard work and whatever. And I think that's just overall like culture and entrepreneurship. I think it shifted a lot. But um, I was working eighteen hours a day and seeing kind of some results, but I was so burnt out and so miserable. And so when I learned about being a projector and that I was really only supp- I say supposed to in quotes because I think you can do what you want, but I was supposed to be working like four to six hours a day at first I was like a little bit pissed off. Like I was like, how am I going to be able to build like my empire if I'm not able to like work all this time. But once I slowly started integrating, like, okay, I'm going to create more passive income. I'm going to create, you know, higher priced offers. I'm going to try to focus on like, scaling in a way where I don't have to do more work. Um, I feel like that's when a huge part of my business shifted and I started creating bigger months that could like actually sustain me without me having to feel stressed out about if I was going to like make rent or whatever. I feel Mm -hmm. like it was a really big moment that things shifted in my business.
0: How did you step into course creation?
1: Um, honestly, it was super natural. Like, it wasn't like I was like, I need to figure out what to make a course on. At that point, I was only doing graphic design. And I was really loving helping small businesses who were just getting started. But what I noticed is like, the amount I needed to charge to like, make it worth my time and be able to even build a sustainable business. Small businesses couldn't afford. Mm-hmm. And I also, like, I didn't feel like I was in integrity charging that amount to them because. I feel like there's a million things that are more important than investing in a $10,000 website when you're just getting started. Mm -hmm. So I developed my first course was a branding school. It's, I mean, it's still one of my like biggest courses that I sell, but with my original branding school, part of it included like a hundred pre-made logos, um, to like get them started off. That was about 18 hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) No, but the thing is, it was a template. So all I did is I put their name in a template. It like literally took me no time, but it felt like a really big value to people Yeah. and so it was kind of a hybrid where I was like doing a little bit of work, but then they were getting this course with them. And then as I scaled, it turned into me. Now I just do coaching calls with million dollar brand Academy, which is what it turned into. Um, but I don't have, so I don't have any more of like the actual design work cause I've kind of shifted out of that anyways in my business. Um, but that's really how it started. And then I feel like same with coaching is like, I started and it was like a hybrid branding slash coaching package and it's really been the the transitions have been very smooth because I've just mixed what I wanted to do with like what was working every step of the way that's so cool what did, how many people did
0: you enroll into your first course
1: I like five or something
0: and, and it was how like- did you
1: <laughs> how did you keep on going well And I remember my dad said, and I don't even remember like how many people I enrolled. It might've been less than that. I didn't even know anything. Like I didn't have a close date for the doors. I remember I did early bird of like, I mean, this program is now a $3,000 program, but I did an early bird price of $97. And I remember I told my dad, I was so excited. I was like, Oh my God, I made like $500 off of, you know, my first launch. And he was like, just exceptional by the way. Yeah, it actually really was. And like, I... I still am like thankful that I had success because a lot of I see a lot of people and I still sometimes will launch a new course and get zero signups. Like mm-hmm. so, I'm really glad that I did have that like success in the beginning. Um, but he was like, "Well, what wouldn't it have been just easier to like build a website and make ten times that?" And I was like, "You don't get it!" Like I was so frustrated because I was like, "This." It felt like I could really understand how my business was going to work if I could keep doing this. And so I think I just. Print. Yeah, I just saw the vision for, like, the fact that, yeah, it took me a lot of time to do that. But, like, I got to keep selling this thing. I didn't have to redo this thing. It, like, created so much freedom for me. Mm -hmm. So, I think it was just, like, seeing the possibilities behind it that kept me excited. That's awesome.
0: I think so many people in the coaching industry and the course creation space, like, especially in the last few years, there's so many more coaches. There's so many more um, course creators. And so, they're not hitting those first entry numbers that they're expecting to hit, that their coaches are telling are possible. And mm-hmm. so what do you say to people when they're experiencing your clients or your the people that you're encouraging or the people that are listening? What do you say to people when they're not enrolling anybody or they're just getting one or two or three, but they had envisioned, right? They visualized 20, 30 yeah. people in these programs.
1: I would say the first thing, like when I'm doing anything in my business, I asked myself, what would I do even if I had like nobody sign up? And my, like, joy in creating is always mm-hmm. the creation. Like, it's not it's not the receiving from it. I mean, that always feels like the frosting on top to be, like, people wanted to buy into this. Um, but I see a lot of new people, like, wanting to start courses, I think, because they see people making a lot of money. And so I would say, first of all, just make sure with this course that even if you had nobody sign up, you still felt the joy of the creation and you know that it's, like, you're, you're creating, like with that first course, even if I had had zero people sign up, I would still be talking about that because I knew the possibilities in it. And then the other thing that I would say is I think I'm such a believer that there's room for everybody, but I also am the biggest believer that, like, you got to do it your own way. And every single course that I've done is... I mean, that's the thing that people say to me the most is like, it's different than any other course that I've taken, like your interaction or whatever, like the way I structure it. I don't focus on how people have structured courses before. I literally just do what I think my audience needs and do it exactly how I want to do it, which in turn creates a totally unique program experience. And so I think just reminding yourself as you're creating stuff, like if it didn't pop off in the beginning, how can you make it more unique? How can you make it feel more like you? How can you more channel like the creation energy into it instead of focusing on like, am I going to get results? Nobody cares about me. It's not your audience's job to care about you. You have to give them a product that like they would be stupid to not care about.
0: Mm, Over deliver. Yes. And infuse all yourself into it. All your fun, all your pleasure, all your joy. How do you stay? These are like just all the burning questions I have for you. (laughs) Like, how does this bitch stay so happy? But I know (laughs) that that is not, not the fact. (laughs) But like, when we see you and when we receive you, you are like so joyful and so lovable. And so it feels like you're always so happy. And I know because you share intimately that that's not The reality. So, how do you get into that space and how much room do you allow yourself to like ebb and flow in that? Like, yeah. And I ask this because, especially as a perfectionist, it's like so hard to show up on Instagram and on stories and sell when you're not in a good space. So, I guess the question is like, how much space do you give yourself to be in your shit and have bad days and have a hard time and heal? And what does it look like for you coming back on and getting back online? and what is what is the strategy for for when you're not doing good mm. having those
1: mental health days? Yeah, well, thank you for saying all those sweet things that's so <laughs> nice. I am definitely not happy all the time. I feel like I'm like fifty, fifty, fifty percent happy, fifty percent like spiraling, wondering what the point of life is. So it's definitely not. <laughs> <Yeah. status. laughs> yeah. Have you seen everything everywhere all at once? Yeah. 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 So like, I'm literally half of the time, like the everything bagel, bagel, half the time, the googly eye, that's exactly my like, perception of life. Um, but I only like, I literally never force myself to show up. And nothing in my business do I force myself to do even like taxes, like I had to wait until I was like, yeah, I'm ready to do this. Like, I can't force myself to like, do anything. It just, it doesn't work for me. And so as far as like showing up when I don't feel good is in the tr- the truth is like, I don't do that. And I think that's why I come across so happy is because I only want to show up when I feel good. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of talk that like, you have to be fully vulnerable and like show mm-hmm. up when you don't feel good. But like, to me, that feels like a crossing of my boundary when like, I'm mm-hmm. having a really bad mental health day. And now I'm forcing myself to show up and like show that to people who I maybe don't feel comfortable or just don't have the desire to do. So I'm really gentle with myself in the way of like how I show up. I also, I really intentionally. So like, for example, today I've been like in a good, I've been like on the up up climb from mental health things and I was feeling so inspired today. So I literally sat down and created like probably 40 days of posts on Instagram. And so then when I'm still not feeling good, I have content to support me. I also create, like intentionally within my brand, different things I can do every single day that don't require a lot of thought from me. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I have these little things of like, like pulling a card or I've started doing these like little, um, like cleanses every morning, burning sage or whatever. And it's like creating these things that I do every single day that people start to get to know me from. But then it also takes out the like creative pressure to show up in a different way every single day. Um, I feel like that creates a lot more ease for me when I'm not feeling like showing up.
0: Yeah, and it's not FaceTime; it's like you burning sage. Yep, you know it's exactly. Like it's, it's not you having to show up and be like on set on fire. Like I'm here, yes. ready for you. I think that's yeah. so important. So, what are the boundaries like with the people in your life who like need things on a timely manner? That like, if you're having a bad day and you're like, I just can't perform this today. Like, I'm not going to. Mm. Like, I'm not going to do it. What does that look like for you?
1: <laughs> I think people just like don't expect that of me because I've always been like I I think I've always been kind of unapologetic like if it's if it's not happening it's not happening um and I think I kind of had to learn that through trial and error of like feeling like I had to show up for people for them to love me and for mm. them like to not get mad at me and whatever and I feel like Last year was a really big year where I feel like I kind of burnt things to the ground because I was so exhausted in my personal life that it's like, I ghosted people, I didn't show up for people the way I wanted to. And I mean, the people like the very closest to me, it's always been a priority. But I think I just had to realize that I do have to prioritize certain things in my life. And like as sad as it is to say if it's if it's not a priority, it, it's just going to fall away if my mm-hmm. like mental health isn't there or if my energy isn't there or I'm just exhausted and I like don't want to do it. Um, so I feel like for me, it's just been like a priorities thing and making sure I'm on the top of the list because then yeah. I'm going to be able to like fulfill however I want to show up for other people, too.
0: I think it's so important. And like what I hear you saying is not creating an idealistic version of your business and your life, Mm -hmm. but really being integral to your priority and your priority is your mental health and your emotional Mm -hmm. health and your spiritual health. And so it's not necessarily like, oh, you don't matter, person, thing, place. It's really like, I'm going to be integral to this number one thing. And when you matter, it will fit in. And if it doesn't ever fit in, you're just don't give a fuck about it. (laughs) Yeah, like don't, well, and it's like the, it, you don't take it personally, and you're
1: not hard on yourself. Yeah, so. and I think the thing is for those people who like maybe like have fallen away in my life. Like the truth is, I I used to like beat myself up about it, but like. First of all, who am I to think that I'm like this important? Like, I think we sometimes can go into like this narcissism thing when we're being people pleasing to think that like, we're going to destroy their life if we don't show up for this random friend we haven't seen in three years. Like, it's like, I had to kind of disconnect the thing of like, Mm -hmm. they're going to be literally fine if I'm not friends with them anymore. I'm not like the queen of Sheba. Like, I'm just like, you know what I mean? And I think giving them like feeling like I want them, I feel like when I, kind of have ended these friendships or whatever. And it, it sounds way more dramatic than it is, but just faded out with different people in my life. Mm-hmm. It's like, I want them to find people who like fully appreciate them and put them as a priority. Mm-hmm. Like it's not our responsibility to make everyone feel like they're a priority for us. It's kind of like selfish when it comes down to it.
0: Yeah. I've had that experience several times in the past few years. And actually they, people have taken it personal in some instances and it's been a little bit messy and I honestly think that the way that the relationship was structured before I decided what was priority was me people pleasing and it was Mm -hmm. a codependent relationship. And so what they're experiencing, which is what I've learned through like my therapy and my healing, what they're experiencing is the breaking of that codependence. So Mm. whether or not they are hurt or sad or angry at me, I've had to reckon with the fact that I was, a crutch for them essentially and so Mm. there might be anger there might be tears in these broken relationships or whatever frustrations and some of them slide out easy like you said they're not all dramatic but um it's not it's like what they feel about you is none of your business yes yeah and I know they're definitely
1: it's it's not dramatic on my end but there's been very dramatic (laughs) situations like that I've heard about regarding like the friendship. And yeah, it's like, I can't, we can't spend our time thinking about how they're reacting. That's not, that just puts us in the same situation where it's like, you're building another codependency feeling like you're Uh responsible for that. I love that. Like perception.
0: Yeah. It's wild, especially in entrepreneurship and then layering, adding motherhood on top, you know? Mm, Yeah. Just, you just don't have time physically, Mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. So we're getting towards the end. I want to ask you, what does rebellious reinvention mean to you? What do you interpret that as?
1: I mean, I love the name. When you told me, I was like, that is so powerful. I love how you talked about it with your story. And I feel like for me, my journey has been a little bit more smooth with the way that I've like reinvented myself. But I think rebellious. you have a shaved head right now. (laughs) I was gonna say I feel like the way that I reinvent myself is very much on a personal level like my business I feel like I've figured out my flow but to channel that like reinvention it is that's what I was talking to my coach about I was like I need to do something shocking but I have no more hair to shave off unless I want to (laughs) like fully have a shiny head so I definitely feel like I play with this rebellious reinvention in the way of like how I show up in the world I hate as soon as I feel like something is acceptable i like want to push it so it's like super acceptable to have purple hair so i'm like well i need to shave it all off it's like i i want to keep pushing outside the box of like what people are comfortable showing up as uh, so i feel so like inspiring. that's inspiring. keep going <laughs> it's
0: so so inspiring it is it really thank is. you and i wish that i could read the back of this shirt like i wish i'd typed oh. down or written it down because i think that like in my perception of what rebellious reinvention is about you is is just that. It's your embodiment like of constant like you know uh, not judging but taking taking note like deciding like inventorying that's the word mm. I'm looking for like inventorying yourself and your fashion, and your output, and the way you're showing up in the world, and like you inventory it. Like I see Ooh, you, I, like, love that. I perceive that of you, right? Like I yeah. feel like you're like inventorying, you're like, nope, too fucking predictable, it's <laughs> yeah. out. Like that <laughs> SNL skit where they're like,
1: "ISIS out for summer, <laughs> purple hair is out. <laughs> so So i love that about you oh thank you
0: really inspiring and such a joy to like be a witness of and to be a receiver of as a follower of your gram and uh courses as well i'm in a few of them and i always enjoy them so thank you thank you so
1: much you're welcome
0: where can people find you
1: so everything comes out of my Instagram. So it's just Kinsey Madsen, K-I-N-Z-I-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. And I. that's like my main place that I hang out. So find me there and you'll find links to all the things.
0: Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you for having it me. Pleasure. It's been so fun. Every week
0: we have a reoccurring segment and I share my favorite things, tangible products to use, things to walk away with, above and beyond the inspiration of these conversations. I'd love for you to read The Master Key to Riches. It's one of Kinsey's favorite books and mine. The world-famous philosophy of personal achievement based on the Andrew Carnegie formula for money-making. Based on the Andrew Carnegie formula for money-making, The Master Keys to Riches describes the step-by-step detail. Today's greatest practical philosophy of success. This amazing philosophy culled from the success experiences of hundreds of the world's most powerful and wealthy men. And for us, women, they've handed it over. We can step through those doors, baby. It will show you how to succeed in any walk of life. And also, I'd love for you to go shop Kinsey's merch shop. It's called the CEO Club. It's also where I got this sweatshirt. On the back, you'll find an amazing proclamation of what a CEO is. You can find all her really dope designs there. She drops them regularly. And go check them out. KinseyMadsonMerch.com. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. And I'll see you guys next week. Make sure you like, subscribe and tag us on Instagram.